0: Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Good morning, welcome to Coastal Community Church. Great to see everybody's uh... Uh, here in person, and uh, as always, thank you so much for tuning in and joining us online. So Scott was really nice about all that. If you'd like, if you'd like, hey, I'm just going to cut to the chase. Not if you'd like, do it. Man, goodness, there is not a person in this room or a person watching online who can't bring a bar of soap, okay? If you'd feel comfortable getting some personal, no, 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 go out and buy some stuff. My goodness. in your, I mean, some of you have been stockpiling personal hygiene items over the last, seven months anyway. You got more soap and shampoo than what you know what to do with. So anyway, go into your, uh, your bathroom, your, your closet, whatever. Bring some full-size shampoo, toiletry items, shaving cream, razors, uh, soap. Just you get it, you bring it. You need to bring it here before Friday at noon. And then I'll just cut to the chase too about the bus passes. We need, we've already gotten about 30 of them. So we've got about $300 been taken care of. But by the end of the day, Honestly, by the end of this service, somebody ought to go ahead and give 700 bucks to take care of those bus passes, because that's invaluable to somebody who doesn't have transportation, gets them to appointments, gets them to work. And uh, so one bus pass that's going to go in everybody's uh, stocking, um, it is going to enable that person uh, to to travel, and uh, it's invaluable. So I'm believing that by the end of the service, we are going to take care of that. Do you believe that? Okay, now put your money where your mouth is, okay? There we go. Now, I recently came across a, uh, a survey that was done to see which one of the characters from the Christmas story that most people identify with, okay? So think about the Christmas story for a second and think about which one you identify with. Can any, how many of you think uh, most of them said Mary? Okay, you know, I mean, it's kind of, you know, you think Mary and Joseph, you know, like, well, those are the parents of Jesus. You know, I don't want to say I identify with them. What about the wise men? Probably not, right? Because you're thinking, what do you know about them? Maybe they're kind of wealthy or something. Uh, anybody say Herod? Probably not, right? He was pretty evil. I'm going to talk about him later on uh, in the Christmas series. Um, but not surprisingly, guess who came out on top? The shepherds, that's right, the shepherds. There's something about the shepherds uh, that resonates with people, and uh, that's who we're gonna be talking about this morning, uh, the shepherds. Now, the shepherds were the very first ones to visit the newborn Christ, and we are introduced to them in the second chapter of Luke, so if you have your Bible with you today, your Bible app, uh, go ahead and open it up to Luke chapter two. I love, love, love this account. In fact, one of the Christmas traditions in my home, in the Rollins home, uh, in fact, since Jan and I were very first married, on our very first Christmas, the very first thing we do when we get up together on Christmas morning, you know, before breakfast, before uh, the melee of gifts and you know unwrapping presents and all that kind of stuff, we gather together in our living room around the Christmas tree, and somebody reads the Christmas story from Luke chapter 2. And we've been doing that since the very first uh, uh, Christmas together. We did it when we had children, and as our children got older, we kind of took turns, you know, reading the Christmas story. But now, even now that we're empty nesters, and it's just me and Janet, we read the Christmas story. So I would encourage you maybe to do the same. But I find it absolutely fascinating that God chose to send the birth announcement about his son Jesus through the shepherds. And uh, and Luke doesn't really tell us much about them. Uh, Notice in verse eight that he doesn't use a lot of adjectives uh, to describe these people. It simply says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. That's it. Not a lot of description. So who were they? Who were these shepherds? Well, Throughout the early history of Israel, in the very beginning, shepherding was kind of a noble profession. I mean, it was. I mean, you go back to Genesis, Abel was the first to have this job, followed by Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, uh, and then, of course, David, who becomes Israel's king. Uh, He was a shepherd. Even God, even God himself refers to himself in Scripture uh, as the great shepherd. So early on, shepherding shepherding kind of was uh, a noble profession. But by the time we come to the first century world into which Jesus was born, things had definitely changed. Shepherding had lost whatever luster it had. It was anything but noble. They were regarded as social outcast shepherds. They were foul, unclean uh, coming in just ahead of lepers. Lepers, okay? They were looked down upon by society and viewed with suspicion by practically everybody in that day. Most of them had foul mouths, terrible manners, ready to fight at the drop of a hat, kind of like Gamecock fans, okay? Almost like that. <laughs> just joking. I know, y'all can't take many much jokes this year. I know, I know. But... Their reputation was so bad, they were not allowed to bear testimony in a court of law. In fact, in the Talmud, which is kind of the commentary written by rabbis, we actually read these words. No help is to be given to the heathen or shepherds. That pretty much sums up the kind of reputation these guys had. In the minds of most people, shepherds were like gypsies, vagrants, carnival workers, con men, all rolled into one. They were disregarded as being part of the lowest of the low in that culture. And yet, that's who God went to first with the news of the Savior's birth. I mean, absolutely nobody would have expected that. That's why this account is so, so fascinating. Think about it. Who were the only the only ones to receive a personal invitation to be there on the night of Jesus' birth. Shepherds. I mean, God didn't choose religious leaders. He didn't send out invitations to royalty. No invitations were extended to the, you know, prominent, well-respected citizens of the town. In fact, instead, the angels went into the fields to invite Shepherds. Why? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. So follow along as I read, uh, beginning with Luke chapter 2, again with verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, When they had seen him, they spread word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. It really is hard for us to imagine uh, the drama Of this setting, I mean, I can kind of picture shepherds, you know, late at night, early, early in the morning, maybe just kind of kicked back in a field, you know, enjoying, possibly enjoying like the warmth of a small outside fire. Maybe they're kind of looking up into the the vastness of the dark, dark sky. When suddenly, a word that really I don't think possibly conveys uh, the shock and awe of what happens suddenly. An angel of God appears, radiating with God's glory. Now, the Greek word there used to describe radiance um, is used only one other time in the New Testament. It's found in Acts 26, 13, when it knocks Paul to the ground when he encountered the Lord on the road to Damascus. It says this, "'About noon, King Agrippa, as I was on the road, "'I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun.'" Blazing around me and my companions. Now, the word blazing there, it's the same work here for radiance in Luke chapter 2. So that's what the, the shepherds saw. This blazing, radiant, you know, bright light from God. The shepherds were actually startled twice. The first is when the, uh, an angel initially appears, but then again, Luke says, suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel. I love it that, that Luke uses this word suddenly here twice. The idea being that without warning, okay, all of a sudden, all of heaven just explodes with this aerial angel display of clapping and shouting and singing. I mean, it must have been awesome. What an incredible, incredible scene. But again, don't miss this. Every Jewish child. Even those who grew up to become shepherds would have been taught about the the coming Messiah, the promised Messiah. I mean, they've been waiting for him as a people for for centuries. And I'm sure that everybody believed, they just assumed, you know, that when he came, that he would be born, you know, maybe at the temple or near the temple and uh, welcomed by the religious leaders of the day. But it didn't go down that way. So why? Why, why shepherds? Why did God choose this, this ornery lot? Well, first of all, it was a symbol of the purpose of Jesus. The purpose of Jesus. Jesus came into the world, what? To be the, the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world. And so those who were looking after lambs were the very first to look upon the Lamb of God. Now, most of the sheep that were raised in that day were not raised for, uh, for meat or wool. They were raised for sacrifice. The Old Testament had commanded the Jewish people to regularly bring an animal sacrifice to the temple and have it killed. And then the blood was sprinkled on the altar as a symbol of their forgiveness, the forgiveness of sin. So there were literally thousands and thousands of sheep slaughtered in the temple every year. But the Bible also says... That the blood of bulls and goats was not sufficient to take away sin. That it was simply a a foreshadowing of the coming of, of the Messiah who one day would take away their sin once and for all. So when the Lamb of God was born, it is this beautiful symbol that his birth would be announced to shepherds who were in the fields taking care of lambs to be sacrificed. Secondly, The the announcement to the shepherds is a symbol of Christ's acceptance of all people. His acceptance. You know, it's a reminder to us that the message of Christmas, the message of hope, redemption, forgiveness, it's for everybody. No one is a nobody in God's eyes. You know, I think he did it this way to remind us that everyone is important. I believe our Heavenly Father intentionally chose the shepherds because he wanted everybody to know that his love is all-inclusive. It doesn't play favorites. To the lowest, God gave his highest. To the disregarded, God gave his attention. To the poorest, God gave his riches. And Coastal, listen to me. That ought to remind us today as a church that the gospel is for all people. All people. In fact, the angel actually said that, remember, right? Go back to the latter ver- uh, part of uh, verse 10. After settling the shepherds down, what did the, the angels say? I bring you good news that will cause great joy for who? All the people. I love that. All people. Jesus came in the world to be the savior for all. For God so loved the, what? Say it with me. The world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You see, God doesn't measure or evaluate people the way we do. We live in a world that measures significance by the titles you have, the salary you're paid, the car you drive, the neighborhood you live, the power, the influence you can exert. We live in a world that's always writing people off, but not God. God sees your potential and not your past. He looks past the titles in front of your name and he sees your heart. He isn't as concerned with your your annual salary as he is with the fruit that you are bearing in the lives of other people. Coastal, the shepherds. The shepherds are a stark reminder that, that those whom our world esteems often are the same ones who are so full of themselves, so full of pride that they have no room for Jesus. But as James 4, 6 makes crystal clear, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Jesus came into the world to seek and to save the lost. Period. Period. And few people understand lostness more more than those who already feel insignificant, broken, or disregarded. In fact, have you ever heard anybody say, I'm a mess. You know, man, I've screwed up, I've messed up. You know, I don't think God could love somebody like me because of the things I've done, the places I've been, how awful I've been. There are many, many people, more than I think you realize, who feel like they have been written off. That they are beyond the grace of God. Maybe you feel that way today. If so, you, you, you've got to listen carefully. You've got to hear this. The message of Christmas, the, the choice of the shepherds, says that you're wrong. You're wrong. Here's the truth: it's the person who knows that they're messed up, who understands that that they're broken, who knows that they're lost. Those are the people that God can actually work with. So, for the person who says, "Yeah, but you know, Pastor Chris, you don't know what I've done." No, 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 no. You're not hearing the story. The story is that. God has come for people like that, for people like you, people like the shepherds. Do you remember what the shepherd David said in Psalm 51? He said, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. You see, God doesn't look at us the way we do. We look in the mirror and we see a mess. We see the struggles, we see the problems, or worse, we compare ourselves to everybody else and we feel like a failure. But God looks at us through the lens of love and he says, I choose you. I mean, you think about that. God's chosen you. He set his love upon you. In fact, look back at the passage and notice what the angel did not say. Okay, What the angel did not say. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to Mary. Didn't say that. Or a Savior has been born to the Jews. Nope, doesn't say that either. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Or as it reads in the King James Version, for unto you is born this day a Savior. God's love is is for you, and it's personal. You're, you're not just one among many, you know, getting lost in a sea of humanity. I love that, uh, that, that message here in Zephaniah 3.17. Listen to this. The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you, in his love. He will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Don't you see? God loves you, he delights in you, you are his pleasure, you are his treasure, you, that's, that's what's embodied here in this angelic announcement. So, after this incredible encounter with the angels, what did the shepherds do? You know, what was their response Well, they did a couple of things that I think you would expect them to do, but I do think they did one thing that's kind of surprising. So one thing you'd expect them to do is that they they went and they examined the evidence, evidence carefully. They went and checked it out. They examined the evidence. Look at verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They moved on what they knew. They acted on the message that they had been given. Now, I realize that probably many of you know this, but I think it bears repeating today. It is not enough to simply hear about Jesus. Listen to me, it's not enough to simply be familiar with the Christmas story. And many of you, you know the story. You've heard the story as long as you've been alive. It's not enough To look into another manger scene at Christmas and say, Oh my goodness, how precious, how beautiful, what a magical time of year, please pass the eggnog. No, that's not enough. It's what you do with the good news that makes all the difference. What did the shepherds do? They acted on what they heard. They moved on what they knew. In fact, verse 16 says, they hurried off and found, the Mary, uh, found Mary and Joseph and the baby was lying in the manger. The New Living Translation says they ran. Man, I love that. In other words, there's no delay, there's no doubting, there's no debating. They heard and they ran. They acted on and responded to the message they have been given. So when are you going to do the same thing? It's not enough just to be enamored with the story of Christmas, to think it's so oh, precious and, and, and sweet, and, and you're, you're aware of it and you know it. When are you going to act on it? Listen, Jesus came to be the Savior of the world and to be yours and to be your Lord. Is there something in your life right here and right now that you've heard, you've received the message, but you haven't acted on it yet? Maybe you've already given your life to Christ, but let me, let me ask you this. Maybe you've not been baptized yet. What are you waiting on? You've heard the message Jesus commanded it. He did it. So what are you waiting on? Tithing? Do you not trust God? You trust him with your salvation. Do you trust him with your resources? I mean, I could just keep going. What is it in your life that you've received the message, you've heard something, but you haven't acted on it yet? So please, please underscore this. Until you act on what you've heard, until you move on what you know, you might not be saved. Because conversion is a lot more than just a sentimental feeling. Warren Wiersbe once said it like this. A person can be enlightened in their mind, even stirred in their heart, and still be lost forever. Truly encountering Jesus, it changes us. It always evokes a response, always. The shepherds went and they worshiped. You know, the word come appears 1,463 times in the Bible. And many times those incidents are, were being invited to come and to see what God has done. For instance, Psalm 66, 5 says it exactly. Come and see what our God has done. What awesome miracles he performs for his people. Think about that. God invites you to come to Him, and get this: He paid the way. Your ticket's already been purchased by the blood of Christ. Your only responsibility is to come. Isaiah fifty-five one through three says: Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why are you spending money on food that doesn't give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen to me and you will eat what is good. You will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you'll find life. What's he saying? He's saying, listen, why are you wasting time chasing after things that never satisfy Come, come to God. In much the same way, Jesus said it. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. And if you've ever wondered whether or not that invitation is really for you, or if you're worried whether Jesus will actually receive you when you come, listen, hold on to John six thirty seven, because Jesus said, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. The point I'm making is this. Spiritually, I don't know where you are. God does. You do. But I do know this. You will never know until you go. And God's offer is so simple to you. Come. Come. Have you done that? You've heard the message. What are you waiting on? Don't hold back. Don't stay distant. It's time, like the shepherds, to go and discover because until you go, you'll never know. The second thing they did, kind of an expected reaction of these shepherds, is that they shared their testimony. They shared it. Verses 17 and 18, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds were just so excited about what they'd seen and heard, they automatically shared it wherever they went. That's completely natural, by the way, right? I mean, it is. When when people experience something exciting, they're going to talk about it. You know, your team wins the big game. You, you, you call your friends up. You talk about it. You brag about it. You get that favorite present. I mean, from the time you were a child till, till now as an adult, when you get that gift you always wanted or excited about, you share the good news. That's all evangelism is. It's simply normal people telling other people about what they've seen and heard, about what they've experienced in their life. You know, hey, I've been going to this church. And it's made a huge difference in my life, really changed me, given me a peace I've never felt before. i got stronger relationships, better marriage, all this kind of thing. You just talk about it. Things that you've seen and heard, you share with other people. But there's one other thing the shepherds did. And it's kind of surprising to me. They returned. They returned. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Returned where? Back to their sheep. Back to staying up all night. Back to their routine. Back to the grime, the dirt. You know, doesn't that surprise you a little bit? I mean, wouldn't you kind of expect if they had seen Jesus, like, to leave their flocks, you know, and we read about them as becoming, you know, missionaries full time. No. They went back to what they were doing. So here's the lesson I want you to remember today from the shepherd's responses. God's best wis- witnesses are usually common people with a testimony, not paid professionals with an argument. God's very best witnesses are just common people with a testimony, not paid professionals with an argument. I mean, that's all evangelism is. That's all sharing the good news is just one person telling another person what they've experienced. Guess what? God doesn't expect most people to leave their job, you know, to leave their home and become martyred missionaries. No, he wants you, guess what? To go back to your workplace, to go back to your school, back to your neighborhood, back where you live, work, parent, and play and just talk about what you've seen and heard. Now, most people today are pretty skeptical of people like me. Paid preachers, right? In a lot of people's minds, I am just a notch above or below a used car salesman. Okay, all apologies to used car salesmen, okay? But that's how people view preachers. And, And they're very turned off to, you know, canned presentations. But they know you, they know you. And on top of that, if they see a difference in your life, they see a change, and and they see that you're excited, man, you'll have so, so much credibility. Jesus one time healed this guy uh, in John chapter 9 who'd been born blind. Everybody knew him as the blind, blind guy in the community. And the Pharisees who hated Jesus just grilled this guy mercilessly. I mean, just grilled him. And, uh, you know, they're asking him all kinds of questions. You know, hey, you know, what do you think about Jesus? Do you think he's a prophet? What do you know about his theology? I mean, on and on and on and on. Frustrating this guy to the point where finally he says, listen, I I don't think I can answer all your questions. You know, I don't know all about his theology. But I do know this one thing. I used to be blind. But now I can see. God's best witnesses are just normal, everyday, regular people like you who've had a change in their life. And they talk about it with other people. They share it with other people. Let me tell you something. Many of you, many of you are here right now. You're watching online because of that man or that woman who just couldn't help but talk about what they had seen and experienced. And they probably invited you to come and check it out for yourself. That's all evangelism is. It's just a natural result of something happening in your life. God's best witnesses are common people with a testimony, not paid professionals with an argument. Now, sure, some people are going to be skeptical. But guess what? Some will believe. And most will just be amazed at what has happened in your your life. And listen to this. They'll be open to an invitation. Listen, I want to challenge you today to invite and bring somebody to church. Because you get them here, guess what they're going to hear about? Man, they're going to hear about Jesus. We're going to worship him. We're going to lift him up. We're going to point people to him. We're going to talk about the good news of the gospel. We can't help but talk about what we've seen and heard. Can you? You know, and that, that's, that's both in person and online. You know, every week, man, you ought to be sharing these services. You you ought to go to our Facebook page, share the service. You ought to be inviting people, invite them to come. and, And listen, most people come to a church for the first time anyway online. Just like the shepherds. God needs some people who have really seen and experienced something. That means you go investigate the facts. You come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and then you grow in him. And then you just simply... Share with other people what's happening in your life, as long as it's real. Why don't you allow Jesus to become your Lord and Savior today? God's inviting you to come, He's waiting on you to, to receive the greatest gift of all the gift of forgiveness, the filling of the Holy Spirit. The promise of eternal life listen only God can give those things come receive the gift today bow your heads and pray with me dear Heavenly Father God today I thank you for your word and I thank you for the example of the shepherds I thank you for your sovereign choice of the disregarded. I know, God, that there are people in this room, there are people watching online today who feel that way. I pray they have heard loud and clear the message of Christmas, the choice of the shepherds says that's not so. And the invitation is to come. Just like the shepherds, go and see. You've heard the message. You've, you've, you've listened to testimony. Come. Come and worship. Listen, wherever you're at, if you're watching this online, if you're here in this room, and you are ready, you're ready to come home, you're ready to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and as your Lord, just pour your heart out to God right now. Just, sit, just pray something like this dear Heavenly Father. God, I admit it. I am a mess. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I, I, I humbly admit that today, God. I believe, I believe that Jesus really is your son. I believe that you sent him into this earth, to this earth so that he might become the savior. He went to the cross for me. My sin personally put him on that cross. But I also believe, God, that he proved his power over sin and death, and he rose again. He is alive. I believe that. And today, Father, I ask you to humbly forgive me. Forgive me, Father, of my sin. I ask Jesus to come into my life, to be my Savior, to be my Lord, and for the rest of my days, God. I just want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me and like the shepherds, God. I promise that I will just simply share and tell about what I've seen and heard and about what I've experienced and the change that you've brought into my life. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.